0: what's up everyone it's the love the jam the podcast i'm shapan coming to you as always with rob how you doing rob
1: i'm tired uh i'm in the middle of a move towards the end process of a move uh back to michigan uh so i'm on east coast time and uh yeah it's it's been a long long few days
0: I am also exhausted. Uh, moving is exhausting, man. It's just I'm not looking forward to moving from here back to L.A., and it's like a year away. I'm already kind of mentally preparing for it. Also, it gives me something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, this has also been an exhausting week. It's just an exhausting rotation, but such is life. Still, not as exhausting recently has been the Clippers, or maybe exhausting in a good way. Uh, it's been a still a, – they've been exhausting in early July – but in the dog days of July and in August, there is not too much to talk about, but there's still just enough to talk about. Patrick Patterson is supposed to be a clipper, right? Was he? I gotta
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean I think his whole video about how he's not a sure thing to go to a clippers. I think that's just to avoid tampering. My guess is he stones up a clipper. I think he and Paul George are apparently close. Um, you know, I don't love the fit. I think that there are guys who fit better Uh, but he does fit a need as like the third power forward and he can play some small ball center. He's a, you know, a vet who's been in playoff games can shoot threes. I'm like, I was fine with the signing. I think it actually is a higher upside signing uh, than most other players out there. I mean, he was really good just two or three years ago um, before falling off a cliff in OKC, so uh, I'm I was fine with it. I mean, there were a couple guys I would have preferred, but you know, I hope they still get it done. And uh, I think it still happens. I mean, unless there's some weird tampering thing that would prevent it from happening, uh, I don't. I don't see why they wouldn't get it done. Uh, are you excited at all for Patrick Patterson?
0: I mean, I, I like it. I like. I think for somebody so low on her bench, that's a nice guy, a nice value to have. I mean, I also he fell off a cliff in OKC. So shot like crap. I mean, he didn't shoot so bad uh, a couple of seasons ago, um, but last season he shot terribly. There was a Twitter video of uh, of him missing like twenty shots in a row over six games that mm-hmm. I watched. It was pretty funny. Uh, all mostly open shots. Like he clearly just didn't fit Oklahoma City. But like on the surface, he seems like a very very nice utility type of player. Can play power forward, like you said, some small ball five. Uh, can play some defense, um, you know, a wide body can supposedly shoot. <laughs> and if he can, this helps for our kind of spread offense. We have going with so many shooters and just another one. I think doc definitely values shooters almost as much as anything now and how he's been running his offense, especially over the last year. So uh, on the surface, I like it. Like, I think it's a nice pickup. Um, you know, he has a friendship with Paul George. That's pretty uh, televised and, um, I, I think I think on the surface it seems like a nice pickup for somebody so late. You know, obviously I wanted a big or, or a, point, a point guard. That's all I've been wanting. You know, I've been Joakim Noah has been somebody I've been kind of rooting for for that last spot. But at the, at this point, it's like we're just trying to cover some edges a bit, and there's really nobody who's gonna blow my socks off or anything mm-hmm. as far as the signing goes. But but, but Patterson does enough things and is young enough and not far removed enough from relevance and possibly was just in a not great situation that I was, I was happy with the signing, the so-called signing. uh, (laughs) I'm assuming, I'm assuming it might still happen like you are, but uh, I thought it was, I thought it was a nice value if it, if it does happen.
1: Yeah. And just to be clear, I mean, there, I don't know if there might be a question about this. There are like some conspiracy theories that, the reason it hasn't happened is because the clippers are making a bigger move uh i would be shocked if that were the case i mean the clippers have shocked me plenty of times in the past two years so maybe they do it again but like early august in the nba is about as dead as it gets um you know so many people are on vacation not just like media but like i mean there are coaches at fiba um you know there'll be gms and like front office people at FIBA as well to do scouting on like younger players and whatnot um i just really don't think any big deal is gonna happen but and big i mean even like andre ego trade like i just that's not gonna happen right now i don't think um oh yeah i'm not go. So like i don't think it's because like the clippers are about to pull off another master stroke trade i think it's just like the a bit to avoid tampering and maybe to like get like the finder points of the buyout and then signing done. I mean, I, I just don't think it's anything else. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think so either. Do you have anything else to say about Patrick Patterson?
0: <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I think he'd be uh he'd be fun. It'd be, I think he'd be a nice in the bench kind of guy. Seems like somebody who could, seems like somebody who could hit a big shot in like, in like the third quarter of Game Four or something, you know, he yeah, seems like somebody yeah. I could see play, be playing like five or six spot minutes in in a playoff game where the, the matchup provides it. That's and at this point, like that's what you're looking for, and and uh, that's who he could be. So that's I I would support it if it happened.
1: Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's I basically we're in agreement on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's not much other news going on right now. Um, The other thing I've been writing about is about all the players who are not going to play in the FIBA World Cup, which at this point is every single Clipper. Um, They will have nobody playing. So for anybody who has not seen any of those posts uh, and somehow just listens to this podcast, um, (laughs) no Clipper players could be playing in FIBA. At least it it seems very likely that that will be the case. And, uh, I mean, we can all still watch anyway and just enjoy, like, high-level professional – I mean, it's not professional, obviously, uh, but, you know, high-level basketball for a couple weeks in September, you know, but there won't be any Clippers around uh, for us to watch and see develop or, or whatnot. Um, do you have any takes about none of these guys playing in FIBA? I know some people feel very strongly about it.
0: I mean, I I, I think my strongest – feeling about FIBA and Team USA was Eric Gordon when Eric Gordon played with Team USA and you know he he had a really kind of underrated valued role on that team on a team that similarly had a lot of maybe B slash C stars and he just rolled into the season after that with like a new kind of sense of of confidence and I compl- I'm i not really for or against a basketball player and their routine and their regimen is nothing for somebody like me who uh, d- is not an elite athlete who plays at a level like that to kind of judge. It's super silly when I see all these like armchair journalists kind of talking on Twitter and saying, well, you have the opportunity to do this and you're not do that. Bill Simmons tweet it was so uh, was so stupid. But, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm pretty sure he has said Shemette on his podcast so Shamit's reply to him was pretty great um but I I I do have fond memories of Gordon kind of stepping to another level and somebody like Trez who I feel like will play anyways all the time every day sometimes you kind of wonder it's like oh man and you know you could get some a lot of value playing with with some elite coaches and elite players Shamit you know Shyman I kind of get nervous for because I feel like the more miles on those feet, like less of those miles on those feet, the better. So I'm not like as angry at the idea of Landry Shyman, you know, maybe getting reps and getting some more, some more, um, you know, just the playing time on the floor because I get I get kind of nervous about Landy Shamit's feet. Like honestly, it's kind of one of my subtle fears from his college days, and and knowing that he's a Clipper and he's running all the time. Uh, so I really I, you can't get mad at players saying that they're preparing for their the season, especially with a team like the Clippers, who uh, with players like Trez and Shamit who are huge pieces. But at the same time, I think my feeling like you know if I saw Shamit or Trez on this team. I wouldn't have been mad. I would have been happy. I think, I think the experience would have been invaluable. And, you know, as somebody just watching, you know, basketball in the summer, it would have been fine. But, you know, I, I do kind of wonder, maybe that experience would be good for them. And just to get some reps, especially somebody like Trez, who I think is going to be hooping anyways. That's, that's kind of my take, but at the same time, it's not like a strong take because you can't argue against an elite athlete Athlete thinking about his body and what he can take over the course mm-hmm. of so many months, like that's not my place to judge. So I'm not gonna be like, "Hey, Shamit, you should be think better" because of the coaches that could be coached I mean, I that's not me. And he's clearly said he's thinking about. I can't get an injury in August; it'll roll over. Like that makes sense. So I don't yeah. know. Do you do you have a strong feeling like that? You that you want one way or the other with this? Because I feel like it's kind of weird to really feel super heavily. One way.
1: I don't know about super strong. I think it's actually funny because I'm actually kind of the other way. Sure. I didn't particularly care if Trez went or not. I don't know if he really had that much to gain by going, whereas I thought Shamit was probably my number one guy of any of the Clippers on any team that I wanted to go um, Hmm. because he's still really young, and I think it would be good for him to get the experience of, like, different coaching, uh, playing with lots of different – players who he won't play with again and, you know, really getting a week of solid extra work in at the very least. Um, I mean, that's kind of the thing, right, is that for Shamit and, and Trez, but really Shamit in particular, like, wasn't that likely to make the team. So for me, it was just like, would he even bother going to the training camp? And, like, I guess, you know, somebody brought it up on Twitter, like, you know, if they're not going to make it, what's the point of the training camp? And for my, again, you know, obviously completely outside, non-athlete, non-involved in a front office view is that, like, if it's just a week and it's literally just practice with maybe some scrimmaging, like, I don't think there's that much of an injury risk. Like, certainly not more than, like, just regularly practicing out with the Clippers or running pickup or whatever, So I think it would have been helpful, but like, I mean, I don't think it's like a life changing, game changing experience. I mean, I think for a select few players, it's been really influential, but for a ton of other ones, it really hasn't done much of anything. Um, Like, I I remember, I think it was 2014, like there was the whole Kenneth Fareed thing. He was involved and it was like, Kenneth Fareed is going to break out. And he was like nailed to the (laughs) bench like two years later. Right. Um, same thing happened with Mason Plumlee. Wasn't that even in the Olympics in twenty sixteen? Like hmm. Mason Plumlee was there, and like now he's on this team. team yeah, he's he's back. Wow. Mason Plumlee is still just like a decent rotation center. Like this, a decent
0: rotation center that destroyed us, by the way, in a, in a series. In a series. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't want to remember. Sorry, <laughs>
0: um, I, just, I, I just have flashbacks.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I think really the guy who I was most surprised about was Cobb Kelly, because,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like, I mean, he's probably not going to play that much for the Clippers this year. And, you know, he's really young. And, like, for him to get in with Team Canada could have been really cool, I think. But uh, Canada, even more than the USA, like, none of their players are going. None. It's The two biggest names who are showing up are Corey Joseph and Kelly Olenek. Wow. Um, like, Shea isn't playing – Jamal Murray isn't playing. Andrew Wiggins isn't playing. RJ Barrett aren't playing. And like, you know, most of them are citing injuries. Uh, You know, how serious those injuries are, you know, who knows? I don't, I don't think any of them are lying about them, but you know, I wonder if it was the Olympics instead of FIBA, some of them would probably be playing. Um, It's all I'm going to say, but yeah, I mean, that's basically my take. I would have been, you know, kind of happy to see Shamit and Cab there, but it's not like the end of the world that they're not. I just hope that, you know, like I wrote today on the the Harkless thing, like I hope that if they're not doing this, like they are putting work in. I'm sure they are. The Clippers really only go after hardworking guys. But I hope that like the Clippers in general are like starting to organize into like little team workouts and group sessions and whatnot um, to start getting organized before the season and whatnot. So that's about it. And then uh, I think the only other news was schedule stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, so what games do we know? We know that we're playing opening day against the Lakers. We're playing, is it the second game of the season um, against the Warriors at opening Chase Center?
1: I'm not Um, sure if it's the second game. It's probably like the second or third. Sure, sure.
0: Right. We're playing in December against the Raptors in Toronto. Um, We're playing Christmas Day against the Lakers. Home team yet to be decided, I believe. Um, and those are the kind of the big games I, I remember seeing. Are we playing any other, other notable games that have been? No, the one that's been other- announced
1: was the Paul George return game. Which oh sure, right, right. I don't even remember. I think it was, it was pretty late in the season. I think it was February or March. Um, I mean,
0: I'll just be happy to see Shay. I want I want to see the Shay return game. Really, that's yeah, that's
1: the a big return game. <laughs> yeah, that's the um, bigger game. Like, Shea I mean,
0: would have been, Shea would have been a lot of fun on Team Canada if he would have ended up being oh yeah. like, the guy running things. That would have been, I think, more than anything. Even though Shea's not on the Clipper anymore, I would have been. I would have had so much fun watching Shay just running point on a team of like s- scrubs. I guess <laughs> relative to him, yeah. But like, that that would have been that would have been
1: fun. Yeah, I agree. Um, The schedule, I mean, I think Lakers-Clippers on Christmas was entirely predetermined. Right. Um, The Kawhi return and the PG return, I don't really have any feelings on. What did you think about also having Lakers-Clippers opening night? Were you a fan of that? No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not really.
0: Uh, I'm assuming George won't play that game. We don't know much about the injury until training camp starts. But it's kind of like uh, I don't really care for that. I guess it's good. It was bound to happen. I also didn't think it was going to happen. But I guess I guess the Lakers and Clippers are just such box office that they'll have they'll have these games.
1: Um, I mean, I just so. don't like blowing it on the first game of the yeah,
0: season. Yeah, me neither. And especially considering the Clippers won't be full strength, it's just. It just seems like a lot of false advertising, but it'll get views, I mean, so.
1: And it's going to get tons of views, but I, I mean, not only will the Clippers probably not be at full strength, but I mean, the Lakers added, like, I mean, Davis is new. Oh, right, is, right. Is new. It's new.
0: true.
1: A lot of the other, like, I mean, you know, Avery Bradley, they need to integrate. <laughs> um, like, I don't think. <laughs> by they... the way, by the way, that was, like,
0: Anthony Davis. <laughs> Anthony Davis, the Cousins. Oh, yeah, and Avery like Amy Bradley coming third. Obviously, he's behind Green, but he's—is he like fourth in their editions? Gosh.
1: Yeah. Like I mean, but they're probably not gonna be. I mean, they might be healthy, but I don't know if they're gonna be like at full steam yet either. Yeah, the Clippers, the
0: Clippers could definitely win that game just from continuity and. Yeah, I mean, like, I
1: just think it's a waste because I don't think yeah. either team is really gonna be that great at that point in the season. Yeah. Um, I think opening Clippers Warriors would have been cooler. Um, yeah. Their first, you know, them being at the opening of Chase Center is pretty cool. Um, you know, they had two of the more memorable games at Oracle last year and in, in its last season. They were the final ever game at Oracle in regular season. I was there. Um, so they're opening the new one. I think that's, you know, kind of a cool circle of life type thing. So we,
0: and and Kawhi, of course, closed Oracle, so it's nice. for Yeah, to-
1: exactly. So yeah. It, there's some symmetry there, which I think is kind of poetic. Um You know, people have been saying a lot that, like, oh, there will be all these hot takes if the Clippers start out 0-2 and lose to the Lakers and the Warriors. I mean, maybe, like, some idiots, but I don't think any, like, even semi-reasonable person is going to be, like, the Clippers are doomed because they lost to the Lakers and the Warriors without Paul George. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. Um
0: yeah, don't be that guy that writes an article. If you're listening, it's going to be...
1: I mean, there are going to be people. <laughs> but like I mean, Right. People are worried that it's going to be like a thing. And I don't think it's going to be a thing. Like, I mean, there will be jokes on Twitter, which there are always jokes on Twitter. And like, you know, a few random, like, you know, third, third and fourth string journalists and reporters are going to have some story about it. But nobody is actually going to care or think it's like that big a deal. I mean, you know, if they lose like 40 points each game, maybe... But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, yeah,
0: th- there was a comment uh, I think on the last, the last, the lot the jam, the pod uh, post on Clips Nation about kind of Clippers defeatist mentality because we were kind of talking a little bit about uh, the Golden State expectations for the Golden State series versus the expected expectations. Now I think it was Thretch that did it, um, and he kind of mentioned about Clippers uh, defeatist fan mentality, and that's Clipper, Clipper fans. Probably would be the first ones to be kind of stressed from an O and two.
1: Home. Oh, absolutely.
0: And like, there there is a point where you have to kind of trust your guns and the fact that this team is good. That 0 and two shouldn't freak you out. I mean, I, I remember the Clippers were what, like five and five or something, or maybe ten and ten in uh, in the Chris Paul Blake Blake Griffin era in, in one of the later seasons, and people were freaking out then too. And it's just like, yeah, it's. There's going to be a ton of magnifying glasses on the Clippers this season, and I think I think Clipper fans are one to kind of let that kind of get to them. And I'm going to be one of them. I'm not going to pretend <laughs> to come above it. I, if you've listened to this podcast, I'm sure you'll you'll feel my stress if we if we're losing games. But I, I do think that that does need to come a point where it's just like you know a game or so in the regular season, you do have to act like you've been there before. If you lose a game or so, well, you, maybe even you don't expect to lose. Like these guys. Can't keep it on all the time, and it's it, it's going to be some yeah. adjustment for them too. We're getting, you know, we're getting a handful of important players that are just starting with this team, so it's it's um, important to kind of keep your expectations uh, temper, uh, tempered. Yeah.
1: Tempered. and I like I do think there can be distinctions. Like I think Zach Lowe and like other people pointed out, the Celtics last year just did not look right, even in preseason, right, and carried over into the regular season. Um, you know, if the Clippers look out of sorts for preseason, then the first couple games of the regular season, you know, even then, I think just the integration will take long enough that I wouldn't even be worried. But I think there's a difference between freaking out because of two results, which is just two losses versus thinking like, you know, the team doesn't seem to be integrating very well. Like the offense isn't flowing or whatever. Like those are much more reasonable. Like, you know, I still don't think, I still think that's far too early. Most of the time, Um, especially since the Celtics was based like so much on just this weird blend of personality and right, right. And like all these circumstances coming together about young guys who had bigger roles and like, and the
0: the Celtics were so loud, like that it was, it was hard to not notice it, even as somebody that wasn't watching the Celtics. Like I felt it because You would have one of the Morris twins kind of yelling to the media, or Kyrie saying some some nonsense, or this and this and that. The Clippers, like the Clippers, won't be like that. You know, if the Clippers look dysfunctional, it'll be Clipper fans that notice the minutia that like make them look off. The the media is not going to notice it, aside from just kind of putting a magnifying glass on them. But nobody's going to talk about it. Nobody's going to be. Complaining to the media on this team, so it's yeah. going to be much more subtle than the the way the Celtics just looked like garbage and acted like garbage.
1: Yeah, that was that was rough. That was like such a unique set of circumstances.
0: Super weird, for sure. I thought the Celtics would be much better, but of course, yeah. Was. I
1: mean, every, literally every single person yeah. did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the schedule—we know five games. We know a few preseason games too. But who gives a crap? It's it's preseason. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really. I mean. Right I'm going now, to,
0: I'm probably gonna go to one of those games, but uh, I don't really care that much. Yeah. About
1: and like right now, in preseason, sounds great because it's like early August and there's literally nothing happening. But by the time preseason actually rolls around, we're gonna be like, ugh, preseason. Yeah, um, it happens every single year. We're get excited for preseason, and after like one half of one game, just Neh. yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think is there any other. I don't think there's really any other Clippers news. Um, did we forget anything? I don't think so. There's, there's yeah, I, I don't
0: think there's really much to talk about aside from that. I think we can. So I think we kind of briefly wanted to do some Clipper retrospective stuff. And instead of going through a, a, a bunch of dudes, I think we're going to talk a little bit about Patrick Beverly today yeah. and just his regular season and, of course, his playoffs. Um, so, I mean, Pat was. Pat had like a very interesting regular season because it took him a while to kind of get started. I feel like, mm. like, when did you first kind of feel like Patrick Beverly was being Patrick Beverly again?
1: When Avery Bradley got traded. No. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, we're gonna be dropping Avery Bradley references on this pod until I'm like a hundred. I, um,
0: I, I hate him so much.
1: Um, I'd say probably. Probably around New Year's. Um, mm. I think it was most notable in January. And what was most notable was the rebounding. Um, I'm looking at the splits right now. In January, he averaged 6.6 rebounds per game. Yeah. Yeah. After averaging like around 3.8, I think, in the first few months of the season. So I'd say somewhere around the turn of the season from December to January, something just seemed to click with him. And he really just seemed to get better. But I mean, if you just look at the numbers. December was a big step up from, and he was awful. His numbers look awful in October and they were better in November, but still pretty bad. And then December, the ship really started turning around and then the rest of the season, he was like lights out. Um, so I'd say, yeah, right around like late December, early January. I don't know if I could pinpoint a specific game though, but all of a sudden like he was getting tons of rebounds. He was getting his hands on more passes. Um, yeah, I, 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 was there a specific game that stood out to you?
0: I mean, I guess he played well with the Bucks game, uh, mm-hmm. that game we won in overtime. I don't really feel like that's the game where he turned around. I felt like I really felt him a lot more a little bit later in the season in that Spurs game. Uh, I think he had, he had 18, 12, and 5, and that, that uh, great win in San Antonio when we were shorthanded. Uh, I think we didn't have – was it Lou that we didn't have? Or maybe it was Gallo. We were, we were. We, it might have been. It might have been both. I remember. I remember that was a Tobias. That was a Tobias Harris game where he almost had a triple double, and Beverly was fantastic. I think I really, really felt it then. He'd been playing well. Um, in fact, he he had you know he'd been uh, putting up some nice rebound numbers and some nice assist numbers. But I really felt it that, that game. I think from then onwards, especially like he was good. Of course, he was huge for the transition for uh, all of our guys after we made that huge Tobias trade. But I feel like that game, maybe I felt him a bit, but he was kind of building towards that moment. But then I feel like that Spurs game, I was like, wow, Patrick Beverly might be back. I was always kind of not sure if he would be totally back, like, this year until maybe Mm -hmm. that game or that that time or so.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. But, um, yeah, I mean – His three-point shooting was, outside of the rebounding, was probably the biggest differentiator. I mean, you just look at the monthly spits. The first month, 24%, then 33%. Then every month, the rest of the season was over 41%, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, And he didn't take a ton of threes, but he took, you know, a decent amount. Um, You know, he averaged 3.6 a game, so he took 280 on the season. He made 112 Shot almost 40%, 39.7. If he'd made, like, one more, he probably would have cleared 40 or maybe two more. Um, Rebounding, five a game, which is really good for a guard his size. 3.8 assists. And, like, the key to me and the thing that's never talked about with Patrick Beverly is the turnovers. He averaged 1.1 turnovers per game in 27.4 minutes, which is just absurdly low for anybody. I'm like – he's not a traditional point card, so he doesn't have the ball in his hands his time, but I mean, he still had it a fair amount. He initiated the offense, he ran pick and roll, and he just never turns the ball over, and it's so impressive. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was this very weird season where like he just kept getting better, kind of, and then was probably the Clippers, like, third best player in the playoffs, maybe. Um, I'd say he was more consistent than, like, Lou, or Gallacher, but probably didn't have the highs of any of them. Um, Bren, what did you think about like his season as a whole?
0: I mean, I think there was a there was a great stat. I forget what it was. It was maybe something like twenty four and eleven or something. That was late in the season. Patrick Beverly starting versus Patrick Beverly off the bench, and granted, a lot of that was with you know somebody as terrible as Avery Bradley existing, but. I kind of feel like you feel his gravitas with that stat, like almost more than anything. Um, he is just... And he's so hard to measure statistically. Like you mentioned, he's such a smart player. He's such a perfect Mori player where, you know, he just knows getting to the rim and making hard moves to the rim or shooting threes. He knows his lanes so well. He's never going to overexert himself. He's never going to do something outside of his means. He knows what he can do well, and he does them strongly all the time. It's like pretty much Pat's game. He can run, pick, and roll. He can make some plays, but he knows he's not going to be, you know, making flashy moves. He makes smart clear passes and but for the most part he just knows how to get to the rim and knows how to shoot threes offensively. And uh and he can run some plays, but he just knows what to do when he when he handles the ball. You're right. He like very rarely turns it over. He I rarely ever see myself saying, Oh, Pat, you know. And that was a breath of fresh air, especially, you know, even with somebody like Shea who was learning the ropes, he would make some really questionable passes, kinda of just feeling himself, feeling himself out. You could see what a vet Pat was in comparison mm-hmm. to that. You know, he was just very heady with what he did, where he put the ball. And he also felt like he was never even he, – he barely even touched the ball, but he would make the right decisions. So on offense, yeah. he's kind of an underrated player. On defense, we all know what he is. I
1: Sometimes, think on like defense, is probably a little overrated. Yeah, um,
0: that's, what, that's what I was about to say too. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I think his offense is very underrated. I mean, yeah. being able to shoot threes like a decent passer playmaker and not turning the ball over is really valuable. Um You know, he's certainly not a guy who can be like a lead playmaker or initiator, much less a creator. But I mean, he's so useful. And like you mentioned, the great thing about him is he makes such quick decisions. Like he shoots, he passes, or he drives. Like he doesn't just dribble the ball around aimlessly for, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And even when he does dribble a lot, it's usually at least like he's trying to penetrate and then doesn't have anything nice to bring it back out. But, I mean, that's still better than just dribbling around the perimeter or sizing somebody up from mid-range, which is what Galinar used to do, which used to frustrate right. me so badly. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's really underrated offensively. And defensively, he's very good. I mean, I think he's, like, a fringe all-defense guy. Like, I had him, like, first off, I think, the first guy off the second team. Like, he would have been on, like, my hypothetical third team. Um, but, like, he's certainly not, like, one of the – absolute best perimeter defenders i just think a lot of his value just comes from how good a leader he is and how much he communicates um not his actual like defense in itself but just everything else yeah
0: i think i think he's just because we've talked about this and sometimes pat is a little too physical it's prone to give him fouls and it can be super frustrated Avery bradley had a lot of uh similar complaints where he would just get into players too much and you'd be like pat you're going to get fouls, man, it's, and we need you. And just his presence just got everybody else hyped. And I feel like, yeah. like, I remember when people were talking about the highlights, I think it was maybe the inside the NBA crew, they would always show that highlight with Pat when we were down by like 30 or 20-something, where he was just clapping so aggressively, he's getting into people's, into people's faces. Yep. He made that huge steal to the Gallinari dunk. He never lost his intensity. And I truly feel, like, if we didn't have Patrick Beverly in the game at that moment, like, the team would have just sunk. Like, he is so hyped all the time. He can make you, like, run through a wall for him. I wanted to run through a wall for him when we were down 30. Like, I was still into the game. I thought we were going to lose, but I could still like, – you can feel his energy. Him and Trez are so infectious. and
1: um, Yeah, I mean, I think – Lou did most of the damage in that comeback. Right. I mean Lou was just spectacular, but that does not happen without Pat Beverly. Um yeah. I mean this season doesn't happen without Pat Beverly. You know, and that's one, like <laughs> as people were joking in the uh the round table uh yesterday, it's like if there was any player to use unstable on, it's Pat Beverly, <laughs> right. not Avery Bradley.
0: Absolutely. Um yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and, like, I just – like, I did think the Clippers probably overpaid him a little bit. Like, three years, $40 million is a lot for a guy his age with his injury issues. Um, but ultimately, like, he's worth it because <laughs> he's really good and, like, everything he provides to the team can't be found anywhere else in the NBA. Um, like, there is only one Pat Beverly. And being a unique presence – like that positively is so valuable, you know. There's only one Avery Bradley too, but it's uh, a bad thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, what did you think of his deal? You gave it? Did you grade that one? I yeah, think, I think
0: I think I gave it an A. Gave, an, an A, yeah, I gave yeah. it. It was great. I, I mean, people might complain about the years uh i knew he i knew he was offered more even before he said that the kings offered him more money like 10 mil more i knew he was offered more because he on the market like his value was more than what we got him for so at least for for some mediocre teams looking for you know a vet leader and no offense to the kings who i like very much but i i knew that he probably turned down a bigger offer um, I was happy with it three years. Maybe I know people were, were wanted maybe a two year deal just for flexibility in 2021, but that give that man his bag. Like if, if yeah. that was, if I, if it was a case that we offered him two years, the same amount of money per year and lost him because he, we didn't give him a third year, I would have been so mad. So I I'm glad it worked out this way for all parties really involved. And I think he's going to be just, he's just such a great compliment. So I, I think he's going to be worth every penny.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm very happy he got his bag. I mean, it, it wasn't like the biggest bag. I mean, cause now in the NBA, there are guys making like, you know, who are getting like 200 plus million dollar extensions and contracts, but $40 million is a lot of money. And uh, you know, Pat Beverly, I think in his career has only made around, 25 or 26 so far. incredible. Wow. So, you know, this will be, in two years, he'll make more than he's made the rest of his career. All of it is guaranteed, I believe. Um, Good for him. And he should still be, unless barring injury, you know, fingers crossed it doesn't happen or or a really sudden decline. I mean, he should still be good enough three years from now to get, like, probably a somewhat above minimum deal, I would guess. Um, But, yeah, good for Pat. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much else we can really say. I mean, he was good in the playoffs. Um, you know, his his presence and performance in that game two comeback were instrumental. Yeah, he's one of the only Clippers to shoot the ball well. Uh, he shot forty three percent from three in the playoffs on five attempts a game, um, eight rebounds a game, which is wow. insane. He led the Clippers in rebounding in like four of their games, I think. assists to 1.7 turnovers. One steal a game, one block a game. He took like seven charges. Um, He was so good in that playoff series. Like, Lou was better for like three or four of them, but in the other two, he was a train wreck, (laughs) Uh, which is just Lou Williams. Um, You know, Gallo was very off for most of that series. And Pat really stepped up. Um, You know, in general, in the playoffs, He's kind of been hit or miss, like, uh, in 2013-14 and 15-16, actually. Uh, he was not particularly great in the playoffs. He actually shot the ball really badly. Yeah. Um, but he was good for the Houston in their deep 2017 run. Um, and, I mean, he was great for them last year. So he's, like, a proven playoff guy. He's played 34 playoff games. Started almost all of them heavy minutes. So, he's, yeah, I, you know, certainly who the Clippers can rely on when they try to go on their championship run this year.
0: At uh, Beverly, uh, in those last three games, and of course, rebounds is the second number I'm giving here 12, 10, and 5 in that third to last game, uh, three blocks, 17, 17- 14 and four yeah uh, in that second to last game um, that w- that when we had
1: it in, was in Oracle. ridiculously good in that game
0: and then 11 14 and seven with two blocks of steel nine for 18 from three in those three games and just yeah what a beast like yeah that's against the Warriors,
1: man a full health warriors too yeah that's yeah. Like, that's
0: impressive.
1: So his game five performance was out of this world.
0: Oh yeah, his game five performance is like, and it, you know it, it speaks to the Clippers history too. But that's like an all time Clippers performance, probably his game.
1: His oh, game absolutely. Five.
0: Yeah, I he mean, was so confident, and he had some huge like momentum building shots. Uh, he was five eleven from five of eleven from three in Rourkele. Like it's yep.
1: just only great. one turnover. Oh man. Yeah. yeah so good.
0: <laughs> he's he's fantastic. I am so happy he's back. I accepted in my head that he was gone for like yep. a long a long time. So, I'm super happy he's back.
1: Yeah. And like and the way it played out, it seemed like it's cuz he's such a troll and he kept he going about how he's going to enjoy free agency. Right,
0: right. He was like replying to people about Chicago and whatever. And-,
1: and like within like 2 days of him coming back, it just seemed like he was never going to leave. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's great.
1: That's great. I hope he stays with the clippers the rest of his career.
0: I, yeah, that'd be great. What a clipper
1: he is, man. The and Lou, I want them to sign for the rest his of his His
0: quotes me. are always so good. I mean, we we do it for the people in the back. It's like pretty much yeah. can be put on like our one of our training facilities, like in quotes. Like what a what a emblematic quote. What a like a PR move Patrick Beverly became, you know? He's like yeah been as good as any PR person within the Clippers, just being a Clipper on Twitter, uh, you know, after games. he's He is the, like, symbolic person for everything the Clippers have been pushing about this team.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really good that they were able to keep him because I don't know who else they were going to bring in at point guard. I don't think there is, you know, outside of a superstar, of course, like, yeah, I mean, if you can add Kemba Walker, then sure. But for, like, non-star, superstar players, I don't think there's a better fit in the NBA at point guard for the Kawhi Paul George Clippers and Pat Beverly. He doesn't need the ball in his hands, but he's a good enough ball handler to help those guys who are more rudimentary playmakers and shot creators. He can space the floor, he'll play defense, um, you know, and nights when one or two of those guys are, are coasting or resting or whatever, he'll make sure the intensity of the rest of the team doesn't suffer. Uh, he'll get in their ears. Like, if Kawhi or PG is, like, slacking on defense, like, Pat will yell at them. <laughs> and, like, yeah. there are not many guys in NBA who will get in the faces of superstars, and Pat Beverly is one of those guys. Um, so, because he would do it to Harden all the time. Yeah. Um, and, like, Harden really liked him. Um,
0: I mean, Patrick Beverly, I remember when they got Ty Lawson, my, my first My first question was, like, why do you have Ty Lawson when you have Patrick Beverly, like, playing with James Harden and him doing everything Harden can't do? Like, yeah. it, and it ruined their team that season, so.
1: He's the perfect point guard to have next to a superstar. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's great to have him back. I'm, yeah, I'm super excited, but. Are we are we ready for questions? I, I think. Yeah. I, I think we're talked ready. About Pat Beverly for a long time. Yeah,
0: we, we'll talk about Pat plenty. He's one of the guys that's that are staying on the team, so I I think you'll hear plenty about Pat Beverly more. I think I'm more surprised how often we have said Avery Bradley's name, so let's put a stop to that.
1: Probably. Yeah, yeah, no more. Um, next, first question from Greg at GCM85, a uh, friend of mine from a a Dynasty Football League. Uh, nice. <laughs> what kind of realistic options do the clips have to add a big or playmaker in season? Um, in terms of realistic options, I think like a two for one deal or really just waving one of their guys. I mean, I don't really know who they'd wave, but like if they sign Pat Patterson, like, and he doesn't end up playing that much and they really need a point guard, like you can just wave Pat Patterson. Um, he's on the minimum. I think, You know, I would not be shocked at a Mo Harkless trade. Um, Like, I think he's good and a good fit, but I also don't think he's 100% necessary if Kawhi and PG are healthy. So, I I mean, I think, realistically, it's probably going to be the waiver wire. I think they just have to hope somebody good is waived by, like, a bad team. Um, You know, even, like, you know, if the Wizards wave, like, Ish Smith or something, you know, and if they could really use just a backup point guard, you know, maybe you wave Pat Patterson and you bring in Ish Smith instead, something like that. But, I mean, I don't think there are any super exciting options out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Mo Harkless, um, Robinson, and a first-rounder is kind of the ace in the hole if, if Zubat underperforms because really yeah. – really that's that's the big area we could probably talk about this in a bit too the idea of a big versus a point guard for who we who we want to have next I, but i think i think that's the ace in the hole for for Zubat and and maybe you know the little bit of pressure for Zubat to kind of perform well as a starting center even though Trez is going to be closing games because if he doesn't perform well i can imagine them kind of pulling the trigger and shopping that that package and you know even including Zubat maybe so um, that's, that's kind of, I think the ace in the hole, but I think that's more so for a center if Zubat doesn't work out. So, um, as for, as for a playmaking guard, I just think healthy, it's not as huge of a need, uh, to have yeah. that guard. So
1: it's really I, only if Pat gets
0: injured or right. Maybe exactly. If, yeah. If, obviously if we have a, if a big injury then I'm sure that a, a move might be made. But outside of that, you know, it's really just a regular season question more than anything, and I think that's just going to be a pickup. I love Lynn. Like, I think Lynn is fine as a, as a guy who can who can uh, playmake and is available. I think he's okay. He's just going to be a third stringer. So I, I think he'd be fine. I'm not excited about anybody, but I think he'd be fine.
1: I'm excited about Derek Walton. Um, yeah, you should be. <laughs> uh, next question from Adam, at Sixers Adam, who's a writer for Liberty Ballers. He's kind of the Lucas of Liberty ballers, and that he's like you know, or something. Uh, no, he's he's actually like 17. We just joke about his age all the time. Um, <laughs> happy birthday, Lucas! Yeah. Oh yeah, happy birthday to Lucas! His birthday was today.
0: It's being recorded uh, on his birthday.
1: Yeah, in honor, in honor of Lucas. <laughs> 45 minutes into the pod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely did this. Yeah. Um, so out of my Sixers and five or six, um, boo. Uh, but realistically, I don't know if I'd...
0: Hey, hey man, the Sixers are intimidating. Like, I, I, I'm in, I'm intimidated. What do really you think, think
1: about the Sixers? Like, like, the Clippers have nobody who can guard Embiid, but who are the Sixers putting on PG and Kawhi? Like, I guess he put Josh Richardson on Kawhi and Ben Simmons on Paul George. Like, you trust... to? I don't... Like, I love Tobias Harris. He's not guarding either one of those guys successfully in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, uh, no. Neither is Al Horford, as good as he has been. Um, I mean, I guess a lot is riding on Ben Simmons' defense there. I think it's kind of overrated. Um,
0: yeah, but if Joel Embiid is on, I think we're fucked. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. The, the problem is just Embiid. It's tough. Six it's tough. Five or six. I would not take the Sixers in five. I guess it's a joke question. I would probably favor the Sixers if both teams were healthy. I think the Sixers would probably win. Um, Yeah, it's concerning. But, I mean, I think that's why, like, you know, you see how the season plays out. If Zubats makes a leap or just looks like he's a guy who can play in the playoffs, um, even against, you know, Embiid or Jokic or Towns or Gobert or whoever, like, maybe you don't have to invest in another big man, but, you know, even if he's solid, but you don't quite trust him that far, that's probably when you make a trade, so.
0: Right, and I think think these are, like, two... Different things, probably. But how how invested are you in the idea of, of what comes next for the Clippers, maybe, in terms of a free agent as far as if it should be a big
1: or a point guard? Uh, of the two, I mean, I think they're thinner at point guard. But assuming health, I think big is probably the area to add. Um, right. Just because, like, if Pat is healthy – and Lou is healthy, you don't really need anybody else at point guard. Um, So whereas even if Zubats is healthy, there's a possibility he's not good enough or maybe just not the right fit. Like, maybe he's plenty good, but just just too small or just not strong enough to bang with Embiid. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Embiid is massive and extremely good. Um, So I think big is probably still the area of concern, but – it, a lot is riding on the health of Pat Beverly, which historically is not great. But you know, we'll see.
0: Yeah, I think I would also slightly lean towards a big, being a little bit more of a position right now. But yeah, I mean, Pat Beverly is huge. But if we lose Zubat, like that's our size, and who do we we can't play Trez that many minutes. I mean, I guess we go small with Joe Michael a little bit more, but
1: it's tough. Working on some but that's no, also very oh, specific. I mean, that's yeah, bead will.
0: Yeah, the, I think there's also an issue that I feel like a lot of the guys we're going to play along the way have bigs. have really good bigs. So
1: yeah. I mean, I think Jokic would be really good, but like I'm not scared of the Nuggets cuz right, right. they have nobody who and,
0: and Jokic and Jokic is slow enough that we can get away. We got away with freaking with Boban, not Jokic. Yeah. So he's slow enough that having Zubot there isn't as much of a concern as say, you know, Anthony Davis or somebody else. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think Davis and and Embiid are the two. But I mean, to be fair, if they played against Embiid, they would have made it to the finals. And like, I think we'd all take making the finals. Right. I
0: think <laughs> um, so. It so. would be heartbreaking to lose in the finals. I don't would, even. But... I don't even know what that feeling is like.
1: But like, yeah, exactly. Like, Clippers fans don't even know. So, like, even making the finals would be two rounds farther than any of us have seen. Wow. <laughs> um. Next question from Pro Bowl MVP at Ryan J, who's he, It's just literally the first two questions were all people from this league. Um, Yo, think, shout
0: out to that league, man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> do you think it's good that the Clippers got Kawhi and Paul George? Yes. Yeah. It's pretty cool. What'd it do, baby? <laughs> it do? Um, next question from Tyler at Cold Bucks Only. I'm interested in how they use that 14th roster spot, if it's going to be Patrick Patterson or is a better option out there. Uh, we've, we've basically been over this. I think it will be Patterson. Um, I don't think there's really, like, if it was between him, him and Joakim Noah, I'd take Noah. But I don't know if Noah is an option. Um, Noah's also probably a bigger health risk. So uh, I think it's going to be Patterson. But it would not surprise me if they signed a 15th guy too who's also a veteran Noah or Lynn or whatever
0: yeah I mean it sounds like Patterson I prefer Noah I think at this point I think even over Patterson I just think, feel like he, he fits a better need and and he was surprisingly good last year so I, I, I like the idea of Noah I also like the idea that if Zubat got hurt I could see Noah starting for
1: him Yeah, for like, exactly. for like so and I cannot see Jeremy Lynn starting
0: um, oh no I cannot so it yeah. would be bad it would be such a such a culture shit. <laughs> for like
1: weird. he's a very weird fit with um, yeah
0: he's he's just a I mean culture is probably the wrong term but it would just be a really bad fit for the for that lineup and they'd have to do something more than just kind of plug him in with Noah you could literally just run the same play as you were running for Dubai
1: it would honestly make the offense we'd add a lot more passing and play oh
0: right and Noah's Noah's a really good passer so
1: yeah for a center I, so. love, I just yeah, maybe the the figment of my imagination is better than the reality. I don't like Noah just makes so much sense for this.
0: Yeah, And he's just a clip. He, he seems like a clipper, like for this, the way, the way this team is, he's like a bigger, more washed version of like Beverly. Yeah.
1: Him and Beverly together will just be incredible. It, it right? would
0: be it would be happen. such it would be such box office. It'd be so much yeah. fun. Could you imagine him and Beverly making a big play against the Lakers? It would be they'd be screaming their asses off. It'd be so much fun.
1: It might get thrown out. <laughs> It'd be so good. I'd love it. Uh, next question from Ian Harp at Ian Harp3. Over under 40 nationally televised games this year. It depends what you mean by nationally televised. If you're including NBA TV, sure. Uh
0: which I can't even watch off my league pass, so...
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't count that as nationally. If you're just talking ESPN, TNT, ABC, no, not a chance. I think the most ever has been, like, I think one of the heat eaters was, like, 31 or something. Uh, there's no way the Clippers get 40. Um, even the Lakers this year aren't getting 40 yet. I'd guess, like, 25 or 26, maybe. That's usually how many they got in Lob City. Maybe they get a few more. Yeah. I don't think they get over 30.
0: Oh yeah, I I don't either. I I don't have any stats in front of me, but yeah, I think I think 30 would be a high mark if they did get there, that would be something. But yeah. I don't I don't I don't think I don't think I mean, obviously we're going to get our share of nationally televised teams, but I I think people are going to get bored of the Clippers and watching the Clippers. Just like the average fan, I don't think they're going to be as excited to like watch the Clippers versus maybe a team like the Lakers and all the gravitas and and all that showmanship blah 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 i mean the clippers are going to be are going to be a little bit different they're going to be a very gritty team but you have to remember like Kawhi leonard and paul george are are a couple of iso heavy guys and i do kind of wonder just how the team is going to look offensively and how how it's going to be like how the flow is going to be different than how the team was last year so remember gallo would like get on our nerves but you know, Paul George and I is an ISO dude, and so is Kawhi. Yeah. they're just like so. Yeah, I, I really yeah. am curious how that works.
1: There will be games when those guys go like four for twenty, and we're right. all really frustrated.
0: Right, right, right.
1: But you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, next question is Justin McEdigan. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. At JMC McEdiman, J McEdiman fifty. <laughs> Sorry. Who do you think rose the most this season? I'm gonna say Shamit. Yes,
0: me too.
1: Shamet. It's still a question of whether he's gonna start or not, but either way, I think he's just gonna be I think he's gonna get good. I'm super high on Shamit. Um Basketball
0: and, basketball breakdown said in their like breakdown video of Kawhi and Paul George they thought that he thought um Landry Shamit was gonna shoot like fifty percent from three. No,
1: that's not that's <laughs> not gonna <to> happen. <laughs>
0: that's not gonna happen. But he's gonna be a massive weapon.
1: No, oh, yeah, he's gonna take like if he plays as many minutes as he did last year, he's going to take like seven or eight threes a game.
0: Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Like
1: if he takes seven and hits even 40%, like that's an incredible, that's just young JJ Redick, except a little bigger and with more ball handling and playmaking. I mean, right. Ridiculous. Um, so next question. So yeah, I think Shamit for both of us. So I could see Zubots, but I, I'm going with Shamit.
0: I, I doubt it. I think Zubot hopefully can just finish more at the rim and catch more balls, and hopefully his fingers are stronger. I don't buy into this three point hype. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll shoot some threes, but it'll probably be like one three a game if we're lucky. So
1: yeah. Next question from Charbel Ray at C D C Draby. Um, How do you think the new additions to the roster will impact the existing culture of the team? And how well do you think the team will mesh in the locker room? Uh, I think one of the reasons why they joined is because they liked the culture fit so much. Um, I certainly think Kawhi fits in very well. I think PG probably a little bit more of like the, you know, the Hollywood elements. Um, You know, he's a guy who's been in, you know, some tabloids and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I think ultimately in the locker room, they'll mesh really well. Both guys are about winning. They both play hard. They play defense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I don't think they're going to impact the existing culture at all. I mean, it's going to bring a lot more media attention. Um, so I don't think you can really bring the case that the Clippers are like some underdog team anymore. But I think they can still play like one. Um, and I think they will. So I think it's impossible to predict locker room chemistry. Like, actually impossible. <laughs> Um, right. but I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be fine.
0: Yeah, I think I think it looks good in the locker room standpoint. I think Paul George is actually the perfect kind of player for Kawhi Leonard because he clearly is like of a similar ilk uh, offensively, defensively, and how they play. Uh, but not just that, but he's also okay with the spotlight. And Leonard clearly isn't about the spotlight. He has shown more personality this year and all that. But I think George is a great guy to sit like next to Kawhi Leonard in a post-game presser, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he was like at uh, at the opening, you know, at the yeah. unveiling of their jerseys. He was great. He took a lot of the questions and he gave a little bit more of lively answers and used some more color, talked about his grudge against the Clippers, quote-unquote, from not drafting him. Like little bits of li- like a, a animation like that is perfect uh, for otherwise what Kawhi's pressers would maybe come off as, like, boring, you know? So – I think he's like a great compliment not just in the locker room, but also just like in the media. How they play together is gonna to be interesting. I feel like I need to see them play together a bit. I, I feel like it will work because they're so dynamic and they're so good defensively and and I think George especially can run off screens well and it'll be interesting to see how Doc runs sets that way. But coming from such uh ISO heavy teams and just ball heavy teams, it'll be interesting to see like Kawhi off the ball and and how that'll work. Cause we know, we know Shamit, Beverly, you know, Lou and Trez are great pick and roll guys. And we know how all these guys work, especially, especially a few of our guards, especially Shamit and Bev, as far as, far as playing off the ball, but somebody like seeing Kawhi come off the ball more and kind of make cuts more and, and this and that, cause he became so ISO heavy by the end of their playoff run. Um, I could barely even remember him really playing off the ball much. It was just give it to Kawhi, get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah. I don't think that'll affect the culture very much. I mean, I no, think,
0: not the culture, but just the on on product, the product on the court, and how it kind of looks. You know,
1: yeah, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily always going to be very attractive basketball, but oh no, they're going to win games. Um,
0: they're going to win games. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, it's all that really matters. So, yeah. as we saw in Lob City, that isn't always all that matters. Right, right. Um, but uh, anyway, we have a couple more uh, from my dad. Yes, uh, Joakim Noah, Sean Livingston. We already talked about Noah. Sean would be really cool. Like, I I don't think there's a single Clippers fan who would be upset at the Clippers signing Sean Livingston. Yeah, Sean. I think he's basically cooked. But, you know, if you're talking about a guy who will be great in the locker room in just terms of, like, a steady veteran championship presence.
0: Yeah, maybe Sean could be, like, a third coach or something.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I uh, I just don't. I don't want to rely on him even for, like, 10 minutes a game. Like, Agreed. He is pretty damn close to cooked. Um, yeah, yeah. But, like, again, for, like, the 15th spot on the roster is a guy, like, maybe in the regular season, every now and then you play him a handful of minutes to get Pat, like, a night off or something. Sure. But, I mean, I think Noah is a much, much better signing. Agreed. Um, next question from James at Dawn's Clips Pat's. Uh, which former Clipper would be fake happiest for the organization if we won the title this year? Finalists include, but not limited to Vinny Del Negro, Avery Bradley, sorry, saying his name again, Glenn Davis, Paul Pierce, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin. And he says, my money is on. And the I'd give up Chris Paul. I don't think it would be Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul would actually be happy. <laughs> um, I mean, not happy if like the Clippers beat him or his team, uh, but I don't think the funder in that stratosphere. So I don't think he'd like take it personally. Uh, fake happiest. Um, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> Jared Dudley. <laughs> oh my gosh. I
0: actually do think it would be Paul. I don't know. I think, I, I think there's, I think there's like a sheen of like very humble you know family man thing about paul but i think he's hyper competitive like hyper competitive and i think the idea of the clippers winning a title before him i don't i don't think he would love it like i don't i don't think he'd, I don't love, think it. he'd
1: love it either but like i yeah. think i think it would have been different before they got Kawhi and pg like if last right, year's right, right. added like just Kawhi even and somehow won i think that felt like they have Kawhi and Paul George and kept like almost everybody. Like it's not like there's some crazy underdog who just somehow won. Right. Um, and I mean, I think he also, in terms of just being, he might be the most competitive. But, like I think he certainly parted on better terms than like Blake Griffin did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like Blake will be genuinely happy for the Clippers if, if they win. I yeah. know we traded him, but I feel like he was so stitched into the culture of this team. Like, he was the culture almost, you know, Blake Griffin was.
1: Which was Paul, part of the problem. But,
0: yeah. yeah, right. And Paul, <laughs> Paul, as much as he was obviously the best player on the team, he was still kind of like a hired gun, whereas Blake was our homegrown hero. Kind yeah. of yeah. So I feel like I, I remember when, when the Clippers lost to the Rockets – and he talked about all the things that the clippers couldn't do how they couldn't do this how they couldn't do that and now the whole thing is that they couldn't make it through the second round and he's going to be part of it when they get through it and man i never felt like more like man that's this guy this guy is what this team is about even when we lost like he was so genuinely emotional about the team yeah. and i think i think if the clippers win he would genuinely be happy i wouldn't be surprised if he didn't look like it but I think he would feel like genuine happiness. Paul, Paul, I think is just so competitive. Like he would be like, Oh, good. Good for my, you know, I don't know. He doesn't even really have. Like, you would be friends.
1: happy for Jason Powell.
0: Right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's like not even much re- like, you no know, maybe rivers and I don't know. There's not even much for Paul to really cheer for on this team.
1: You know, who but, would actually be happy is DeAndre Jordan.
0: DeAndre Jordan would be happy. Paul would absolutely tweet out like congratulations to us. Yeah. But uh, DJ would be happy. DJ just friends with everybody. But fake happy, I actually, you know, I kind of think it would be Paul. I think Paul would put a whole thing on Twitter, and uh, I don't know if he would really mean it. You know? I
1: still think of not of those names. I think it would be Jared Dudley. He would also tweet something, and you know he would be fuming.
0: Oh, fuck Jared Dudley.
1: <laughs> uh, Randy Foy. Randy Foy would be very happy.
0: Randy Foy would be happy. Sidus and Versus, Great man. Guy. Yeah. 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 Randy Foy. Randy Foy has this thing where all of his organs are on the uh, opposite, opposite side of his body.
1: Yeah,
0: and, and it's super fascinating. <laughs> that's it. That's you need an interview I'm, with him. That'd be great. I'm a, I'm a huge nerd about that stuff. It'd be a lot of we fun. Need to hook
1: you up. Yeah, Find please, Randy Foy. Where are Randy, they now, Randy?
0: Randy Foy, uh, who hit a game winner against the Clippers. Remember after he was del- yeah. after he left.
1: Honestly, nice NBA career <laughs> for Randy.
0: Nice career. Nice. Seems like a nice dude too.
1: He's a color analyst on the Yes Network. Oh, is he? I didn't know that. I had no idea. Oh, wow. Jeez. Oh, good for him.
0: Good for him, like Matt. Dude.
1: Um, huh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. to Randy Foy.
0: Yeah.
1: Next and last question is from Abe at Abe665117820. <laughs> Whoa. Is it concerning that Kawhi is wearing a knee brace two months after the season? how will Paul George's absence in the beginning of the season affect seeding? Does the acquisition of PG and Kawhi have more of a likelihood to be historically terrible or historically great? Um, the last question, definitely more of a likelihood to be historically great. I think to be historically terrible, they both need to leave after two years having not won like anything. And, and the Clippers would be saddled with giving away all their picks. I think that would have to be historically terrible I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I don't know if it's concerning that Kawhi's wearing a knee brace. You you might know more than me. I just It's probably just precautionary. I, I don't know.
0: I, I think Kawhi's – the idea that Kawhi's, you know, chronic quad issues made him compensate and made him have issues elsewhere in his legs from even with load management, that's concerning. I mean, it's generally yeah. concerning, like – that whole situation, I I'm like hyped for everything, obviously, but I, I'm concerned about his quads. Like yep. he he's obviously concerned about it, and uh, and uh, you know, part of me was like, well, you know, he signed the shorter deal; he must have confidence in his health. But it seemed like Kawhi was legitimately like very emotionally affected by his injury when when Durant got hurt. He had that postgame presser where he talked about just sympathizing with him so much and and uh he's clearly you know he remembers like being hurt and like probably what was a kind of a a a rough situation in san antonio and if he's compensating with the rest of his leg like it's concerning like it's not it's not beyond concern for sure and and like that happens you know like it's definitely it's definitely something that's legitimate to watch out for so
1: yeah Yeah, i mean i don't think i'm that concerned about the knee brace i think in general, there are plenty of other reasons. Yeah,
0: yeah. the knee brace in, in general isn't a huge concern. Basketball players just yeah. I I am not that concerned about it. But you know, it's very concerning that he had he had what sounded like a compensatory uh, issue in the playoffs from mm-hmm. from quite yeah. there's more research to be done about it, but it's it's that's the biggest concern is how that happened.
1: And then the final I guess it was actually the second of the questions was how will George's absence affect seating? We just don't know enough about – we don't even know if he will miss games. I mean, that seems to be the likely, you know, result at this point. But we don't even know. It depends on the rest of the schedule. I mean, they certainly have a, a rough two games and that, you know, first two on that, you know, playing the Lakers and then at the Warriors is not a fun first two games. So they could be 0-2. Um, But we don't know what the rest of their opening schedule will look like. You know, if the rest of their first 10 games are really tough and Paul George misses 10 games, that could be bad. If it's a cupcake schedule, not so bad. Maybe he doesn't miss any time. We just don't know. Um, But, you know, if he misses games, that that will not help their seeding. Absolutely,
0: yeah absolutely it'll influence if he misses like a month it'll it'll influence all right like it's just if he misses a ton of games you know we're not going to be a first seed it's just like yeah the west is brutal so that's it's definitely going to affect us but we'll see they're so tight-lipped about what's going on it's uh we'll see what happens when we get to training camp hopefully he's hopefully hopefully regardless what happens it just helps him in the long run and he's looking fresh by the playoffs It's all we should really hope for
1: yeah um, that's it for Twitter questions, and I think that's that's probably – I don't think I have anything else to say. I mean, I'm just hoping some other news happens in the next week so we have something to talk about next time.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, I think that'll do it for uh, for this episode of the Law of the Gen, the podcast. As always, thanks for listening, and uh, give us a nice review and whatever you listen to us to. We'll see you guys next time. We'll probably talk some more retro stuff and whatever's going on with the Clippers, if anything at all. But as always, go Clippers!